0: There is this research that needs to be done when you're thinking about how and where you want to operate a business.
1: Not only are we curating the best the city has to offer, but we're creating
0: our own original content around it. The weird thing about entrepreneurship is people think that to be an entrepreneur, you sort of have to, like, jump up on the table, kick a stapler across the room, and then say, I quit. I think that most people that start a small business don't want to be a small business forever. I know I don't. I wish more people would just ask, like, why can't I do stuff
1: Hi and welcome to Your Business Matters. My name is Mark Hager. I'm your host. We've been doing some uh, shows here over the last couple of weeks. It's kind of specific to the coronavirus crisis and how it's affecting business overall. And uh, so we're going to do this again today. And I have a a special guest today. He's an educator, an executive, and an entrepreneur. His name is Daniel Stanton. He's the author of Supply Chain Management for Dummies. He is a global expert on supply chains. He's an uh, He's an instructor with LinkedIn Learning, like me. He's a researcher with Cranfield University, and uh, probably most important, at least to me, is that he is a dear, dear friend. And Daniel, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Mark, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you.
1: Well, uh, supply chain has been in the news quite a lot here in the last few weeks, as we've seen uh, this uh, stay-at-home orders, uh, you know, being implemented across the country, and. Uh, it hasn't been any more noticeable than in the toilet paper aisle at your local grocery store.
0: Yeah, it, it's amazing. We run, yeah, we, we run out of toilet paper, and all of a sudden, everybody's really, <laughs> really interested. In well,
1: as I've said before, you know, if the biggest fear we have in this world is running out of toilet paper, this is truly an advanced society that we're living in.
0: Right. First world problems. First world problems.
1: Well, talk to us about... That particular issue, because it's obviously it's representative of other things that happen in the supply chain.
0: So, in the world of supply chain management, there's this really well-known phenomenon called the bullwhip effect. It was it was first identified by an MIT researcher uh, probably 60 years ago uh, by the name of Jay Forrester. And what Forrester realized is that when you have, um, you, I'll, I'll say supply chains tend to operate pretty well in steady state, but when you have even relatively small disruptions in either supply or demand, it creates these ripples. And and um, not only does it create ripples that move up the supply chain, but they get amplified at each tier as they move up. So, Uh, if you have a small increase in demand at a retail store, well, well that um, gets amplified when it moves back to the distribution center and the wholesaler. And again, uh, all the way back to the factory and and even um, for, for raw materials, the effect of that, then if you look at the supply chain, is these small changes cause it to go out of balance And then you'll end up with um, being completely out of stock at an item uh, in the retail store. And at the same time, you know, a a few steps upstream in the supply chain, you'll have huge amounts of extra inventory, like bursting at the seams. Um, I think toilet paper is a great example of that, that that we're all seeing right now. But the truth is we're seeing this in lots of supply chains all around the world as a result of coronavirus.
1: Well, how does that begin to balance itself out? And what are we dealing with? Uh, or I guess, what's the, what's the threat?
0: Sure. So, um, what, you know, the, the issue is anything that disrupts the supply chain, anything that, that, that causes a, a change. Um, when, I, when I think about it in terms of supply and demand, we've got three different kinds of disruptions occurring on the demand side. Um, so there are some products for which we've had a spike in demand, but where the consumption really hasn't changed. And, and I think toilet paper is a pretty good example of that. Um, you know, for, for a bunch of reasons, people go to the store, they buy more toilet paper than they normally would. You know, if each of us were buying maybe 10% more toilet paper than we normally would, the supply chain could probably handle that. But when people are buying five times or 10 times as much toilet paper, and we're all doing it at the scale of the entire supply chain, that causes a disruption. It causes big ripples that get amplified. The second kind of demand disruption that we're seeing is an increase in demand for things that we're actually consuming more of. I think hand sanitizer is a good example of that. Sure. We're using a lot more. Um, I think a lot of, you know, the hospital equipment, N95 masks and gloves. So for those things, there's a huge increase in demand, but we've never actually had the capacity in the supply chains to deliver that volume of product before. Right. And so for those things, we, we genuinely need to innovate and look for ways to increase the capacity of the entire supply chain manufacturing, distribution. Um, The third kind of demand disruption that we're seeing is where the demand for products has completely dried up very quickly. Um, So anything having to do with sporting events and concerts, for example, you know, those things had supply chains, right? There were products and services um, flowing through the supply chain to support um, sporting events and concerts, and now those are those are stuck someplace. They're sitting in a warehouse, they're sitting on a truck. So, you know, for those things, it's still a supply chain disruption, and it's going to get amplified, you know, going up. Um, so, so that's kind of the, the first category. For all of those disruptions on the demand side, the good news is they'll settle out over time, right? Supply chains are adaptable. We've got entrepreneurs and businesses that, that will um, make decisions and take actions that level that out. It just takes a little while because there are delays at each step in the process.
1: And, and not to interrupt, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but uh, a prime example of that is the the number of small businesses that are suddenly retrofitting their plants to make uh, protective equipment for, for hospital personnel and things like that, right?
0: Exactly right. It, it All of a sudden, now you've got new sources of supply that never existed. We're, we're, we're increasing our capacity. Um, and, and one of the things you'll find, uh, and I'm seeing a lot with um, those sorts of innovative approaches is, okay, we, we've created new manufacturing capacity, but now we don't know how to distribute that. Right. Who do we sell those to? How do we package that and get it to the folks who need it? So, and and that's the difference between you know, I'll say just manufacturing. Thinking about it in terms of manufacturing and thinking about it in terms of a supply chain. Because when you think about it in terms of a supply chain, you start with the customer, and you have to work your way the whole way back. Um, the good news is, you know, we we should be able to use technology to help with a lot of that matchmaking, right? Um, but, but it takes a while for, for all of those pieces to fall into place, you know, for the, the plants to, to retrofit or to change over their, their capabilities, to, to make the products that are really in demand, and then to come up with marketplaces where you can match buyers with sellers. Right. Yeah, sure. Um, the, the other kind of disruption, though, that I, I haven't seen as much as I expected yet but but i think is on the near horizon are are really disruptions in supply right, right. so you know in in any supply chain there are delays uh, you know there's a certain amount of inventory that's held at at each tier in the supply chain and and because of that you know we can we can handle a disruption for a while right if but but i think you know we're 3 4 months now into you know this combination of a coronavirus shutdown plus, you know the the month long Chinese New Year holiday, the 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 Christmas holiday here in the U.S. Um, this is about the point in time that I'm expecting kind of everybody to have burned through most of the inventory that they might have, have had, and all of a sudden, you know, s- small manufacturers and large manufacturers go to order products that they need to keep their lines going. And all of a sudden their, their normal supplier is out of stock. Um, and and then you start scrambling and, and looking for other places to get the stuff that you need just to keep the lines running. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say, I think the, the auto companies um, made a pretty smart move early on by just saying, listen, we're, we're going to shut down one. I, you know, I think they were anticipating that there would be a drop in demand for economic reasons, sure. But but I think they also realize it was only a matter of time before they weren't able to get parts that they needed, and rather than dealing with you know scrambling for a part here and a part there, it was smarter to just shut everything down. Yeah, uh, and then o- organize an orderly restart in the future.
1: Well, so the supply side disruptions. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm making an assumption that there they are more disruptive that the the tail is a little longer on that
0: yeah i i, I think that's right i think those are going to be harder to deal with um it, in part because you know our supply chains are so global right yeah. so you know if you're um if your customer um makes a move right either either they're increasing their demand or they're decreasing their demand Um, either you can, you know, figure out how to give them what they need and, and maximize your sales or you don't, you lose out on some sales, Right. right. Or the sales go away and that's it. I mean, that, that's, that happens pretty quickly and you move on. Um, but for the customer, if you go to a supplier and they can't give you what you need, well, now you've got to go through a whole sourcing process to try and figure out who does have it. And, and if you've got a bunch of customers that are all in that same boat, yes. now you end up with kind of a feeding frenzy in the marketplace, right? Um, and so that has a tendency to, to drive prices up, right? It, it, it leads to inflation. Um, it creates all kinds of gaming where, for example, if, if a supplier has a limited quantity and they've got a lot of customers that are placing orders, well, they, they may um, place those customers on allocation and prioritize. Right. So now, as a customer, you're incentivized to order more than what you need in the hopes that you'll actually get what you need, right? And so it creates what I call phantom demand. Um, and, and um, you know, a customer may place orders at multiple suppliers, assuming that, some of them are gonna cancel and not come through, but, but they're sort of right, playing right. the field. Um, and you know, very often um, you can have situations where you've got brokers in the middle who you know, it, it's, it's pretty easy to put up a website and say, I'm in the business of selling widgets and here's the price that I charge. Right. And, and you can accept an order and payment for those widgets and then go look for somebody that actually makes them, right? Right. And, and so you find these situations where a customer places an order with a broker, thinking that you know they've got a deal, and there's a contract, and it's just a matter of time. Meanwhile, the broker's scrambling around trying to find a supplier. Right. And at the end of the day, if they find nothing, they just come back and say, "Sorry, here's your money back." Right. But with the customer now, you've wasted precious time. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. I think, you know, from a manufacturing standpoint, we're really talking about those raw materials that have to be converted versus the, the manufacturer who may assemble things, right? And, and I think about this um, going back to our discussion about small businesses converting for PPE, um, the availability of elastic has become a real challenge for anybody who's making face mask or face shields, right? And elastic has to be manufactured from raw material. And it's, it's not a fast process, right? So...
0: That's exactly right. You know, one of the other things um that that is really evident in in these situations where, where you've got, you know, panic buying and shortages in the marketplace is um legitimate supply chains have quality control processes and standards that they put in place to make sure that the products that they're making are safe and meet, you know, whatever yes. the requirements are. Um, There are lots of illicit manufacturers and distributors out there that are not bound by those same standards, right? And so um, it it creates an opportunity for counterfeits or substandard low quality products to infiltrate the market and to find their way into um, otherwise legitimate supply chains because you're just, you know, you're desperate to get the stuff anywhere you can get it you find a supplier who's willing to sell it to you. What you don't realize is what you're getting isn't what you thought you were buying. You're really getting fake. And that has all kinds of other risks that come with it.
1: All right. And those, and those risks won't reveal themselves for some amount of time usually, right? We'll see those in the months to come. We'll, we'll start to understand that a little better. Well, you know, overall this has been one of those things that um, we've certainly seen the resilience of the supply chain being tested, and at least from my perception, it seems like it's responding very well. I mean, do you share that or, or are there things from I do. I
0: do. I, you know, I, I think it's easy to be critical because, you know, you, you go to the store and you say, well, there's no toilet paper there. And, um, but but I, I think, you know, in general, if, if you look at how drastically our buying patterns have changed in such a short time. Um, yeah, it's, it's taken, you know, a month or so for a lot of these things to settle out. But in general, they've done pretty well. Um, what, what, I, what I am concerned about is, um, are we doing enough to protect the people that work in those supply chains? So, you know, those frontline workers in retail stores, but also in distribution centers, truck drivers and transportation workers, um, and and even going back to folks that, that work in um, farming and mining yeah. and the timber industry. Because when you look at it in terms of supply chains, you realize we are dependent on all of those links to work. Right. And every one of those links has people in them. And so if we're not protecting those people, that truly could... Um, disrupt the supply. Um, we're starting to see evidence of that. You know, ironically, Mark, you and I were in Sioux Falls, South Dakota together. We were. For, for a conference, what, three years ago yes. now. And, and all of a sudden, Sioux Falls is, um, I, I think now the, one of the leading hotspots in the country because of the coronavirus spreading in a pork processing plant. Right. right. Good example where if you're not protecting the people, um, it actually puts our, our food supply in danger. Yes.
1: Well, it's not a coincidence that we refer to this as a supply chain, right? And we recognize the weaker links in times like this, right? And so it, exactly. it just emphasizes the importance, as you say, all the way through the entire process. So, Absolutely. So Daniel, talk to us about how a small business might find some opportunity in all this heartbreak and anguish that we're dealing with as, as a country right now.
0: That's right, Mark. I mean, on, on the one hand, you know, I, I think we're all um, scared and, and rightfully so, and, and we need to be um, smart and looking for threats, right? And, and understanding the risks to our business and how we can protect ourselves. But anytime time that there's a change, there, there are opportunities there. And, and I really think by understanding how supply chains work, and in particular looking at those different kinds of demand and supply disruptions, um, fo- folks can find niches in there where there are, there are unmet needs, where there are gaps that um, are really opportunities for small businesses who can be innovative and who can move quickly um, to do things to help, you know, e- either uh, provide additional capacity for needed products or to, to help match supply and demand and get, you know, those products and services to the people that need them when they need them.
1: Oh, wow, those are great tips all. Well, Daniel, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to sharing your expertise with us here this week. I wish you continued luck and good health. Um, Supply Chain Management for Dummies is available on Amazon.com, and if you want to be sure and check out uh, LinkedIn Learning. You can search for Daniel by name and and uh, look, check out some of his classes.
0: Absolutely, Mark. Thank you so much for having me, and hope that everybody out there is staying safe and doing the great work that we're counting on small businesses to do to keep the engine of the U.S. economy going.
1: And again, a big thank you to Daniel Stanton for joining us on Your Business Matters. I also want to thank all of you for taking time and listening. I appreciate your joining us, and I hope you found this show to be helpful and interesting. I hope your business is doing well. I hope your families are all safe and healthy in this terrible time. And I look forward to talking to you real soon again here on Your Business Matters.